you'd like then to turn in your Bibles <laughs> to Luke chapter 4. <clears throat> Luke chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 14. And these words follow on immediately from Jesus being tested by Satan. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went throughout all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he'd opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at his gracious words, which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? May the Lord add his blessing to those words. So in our series for 2020 Vision, we are exploring these two verses, 18 and 19, from Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And last week we dealt with, because he has anointed me. And today we turn to the next instruction of the Lord God, to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus Christ had come as God's Son with a purpose. He had been anointed by him to deliver these words. But who are the poor? Well, in our modern society, we'd probably measure that in monetary terms. When you take out your purse and you rattle it round and nothing falls out. Or the statement says, zero. And there is nothing. And you can look at others and think, I wish I had what they had. But wealth is a measurable thing. What's, what is poor to some is not poor to others. You know, I don't earn £100,000 a year, so I'm poor, some people might say. Other might, people might say, I, I don't earn £10 a week, so I'm poor. And others will say, I have nothing, so I'm definitely poor. Or I have no possessions, as Nessie alluded to. Everything has been destroyed. What I am is all I've stood up with. But we are wrong to classify the poor in this case as those without money. Because Jesus has come to preach the gospel to the poor. But it's to the people who are poor in spirit. 
have no spiritual eternal hope, there is nothing for their futures. And he comes to usher in the kingdom of God. Sung about and worshipped because God is bringing his kingdom through his son, Jesus Christ. And to use the phrase, it would matter not if you had all the tea in China, if there wasn't the kingdom of God to look to. There is nothing to compare what God is offering through Jesus Christ. He's saying to these poor people, in spiritual need, the kingdom of God is upon you through my son, Jesus Christ. Think a moment. What exactly does that mean in your own minds? What is the kingdom of God going to be like for each and every one of us? Just marvel at the whole thing as you talk about think about God's glory and the way in which things are and the things which are described in the Bible in our experience about the kingdom of God and its riches. And Jesus has come to preach the gospel to the poor. The word gospel meaning he has come to preach the good news to the poor. Jesus has come to save sinful man and reconcile him to the God they are estranged from. So they may be part of God's kingdom in eternity. what did Jesus do? He didn't just utter these words. I have come to preach the gospel to the poor. He met with those people who were in need, who were challenged, who were tormented. And he met with them and he healed their needs. Turn over a couple of pages to chapter 6 of Luke's gospel. And Jesus has been up the mountain and he's prayed to his father. And he's come together and he's brought his disciples with him. And in 6 verse 17, there's this lovely phrase, a very homely phrase. And it says, Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples. And a great multitude of all people from all Judea and Jerusalem. Jesus didn't come down and say, I'm going to stand on this pedestal. And I'm going to preach the gospel from on high. Now I'm going to stand among you and be one of you. And I'm going to share with you what the Lord my God has sent me to preach to you as a message. And it said all these people came from Judea, Jerusalem, from the seacoast of Tyre and from Sidon. All who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him. They knew that Jesus had the power, and the power went out from him, and they healed them all. All of them, not anybody just selected, or a few, all who came received Jesus' healing. And then, the power having gone from him, 
And I mean, he had all these people who lifted his eyes towards his disciples and said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. These poor people, these people in spiritual need, these people in need of healing, with very little in spiritual to, and little in the way of hope, had met Jesus Christ. And now theirs was the kingdom of God. What a change in their fortunes. The term poor, when we use it in this context, is a Greek word which carries the implication of being a beggar. Now, we all have our own fixed ideas of what beggars look like. It may well be the man on the street sat there with his little board saying, you know, I need 10p for a cup of coffee. It may, or whatever it is. It may be the person who's got three old coats on and they're all raggedy and horrible and everything else and he smells a bit. That might be your impression of a beggar. But it may be more than that. It may be those people who just keep themselves and I just need something from someone. Because I'm in need of something. I'm begging for an answer to my prayers or to my need. But in this context, it's a, like all of us, we are begging for a spiritual need. That we need the Spirit of God within us. And in our journey in life, we are seeking. We are seeking a God who can answer our prayers and meet all our needs. Like the pilgrims who set off from wherever they're going, from, from Canterbury to wherever, or on the way to Rome or wherever you want to go. They are seeking to find the peace of God in their journey. Even in the Psalms, there was a pilgrimage towards the end of the series of pilgrimage Psalms as people sought out on a journey towards Jerusalem to find their God and to find their answer and to find the riches which come from knowing God. We often see beggars as individuals. But we as a church, as a fellowship of God's people, are also begging for God to fill us and to use our fellowship to express his word and to bring the good news to the poor. And as a body of people, in this place in Allness and in Ross, there is a whole community of people who are in need spiritually. We should be searching to find the good news that Jesus brings to give to the poor. And we shouldn't think about the message as just being geographically limited to Jerusalem. It would have gone nowhere. But Nicodemus... And the story some of us will be familiar with. Nicodemus, a man of learning, who recognized that Jesus was something special, went to him to discover the truth, seeking answers. And he was trying to find out how to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus explained to him that you had to be born of water and of the Spirit before you can enter the kingdom of God. You had to have that spiritual infilling of the Lord. And as Drew alluded to, and it's always wonderful that God leads people, 
together to speak on the same themes, even though we never communicate with each other. But the, the words which Drew highlighted earlier on, Jesus explains to Nicodemus that the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. And so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus has come and spoke to the poor and filled them with his Spirit, and he has moved us all around the world in different places. But Jesus, in that story, Nicodemus, has one message of hope for those who are spiritually seeking and begging. And it is this, and this is his central message of the gospel, that whoever believes in Jesus Christ should not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, if you have no hope, this is something new. If you are poor and someone's offering you eternal life, that's a whole new horizon which you cannot measure. It's a good thing. But Jesus was anointed and he came under the instruction of his father to preach the gospel to the poor. When we talk about preaching in our modern sense, you say, well, we was preaching the sermon today, that's, that's, that's how we understand it. And I might say, I'm going to preach the sermon on Sunday. But, we, but it's a public proclamation or teaching about a message from God. And it's speaking personally, as Jesus does here, with a message, in this case, for the poor. And in this case, it was a message of hope of salvation and fulfillment. After Jesus had read those words from Isaiah, you can imagine the crowd sat in a synagogue, but we call it a church for ease of, of reference, sat in this building, and Jesus goes back to his seat, and he would be able to have been seen by everybody. And you can imagine the silence as he gave the book back to the attendants and sat down. And you can imagine what everybody's thinking. They all heard about him. They all knew that something was special about him. And mighty things had happened in his name. What's he going to say next? What's going to happen next? Will there be a mighty rushing wind coming? Will, God, will Jesus do this or that? And he sat. And they waited for his words. Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The gospel message has come to the poor, to each and every one of us who need a touch of God. Just imagine for a moment. Unfortunately, your friend is very ill. The doctors have said, sorry, there's no hope for them. Now, if you knew of the cure which would make them well again, would you keep it to yourself? 
I know the answer, but I'm not telling you. I know there's this wonderful treatment and it would sort you out just like that. But I'm not telling you. If you had the solution, would you keep it to yourself? No, you would share it, wouldn't you? So here we have this wonderful message from Jesus Christ which he gives to us. It's the answer to all those who are poor and in need and need the spiritual touch. Shall we keep it to ourselves? Shall we just say, well, thanks God, that's just for me, that's perfect. I'm not going to tell anybody else. No, of course we want to share. As we come to tonight, we will be looking at that whole thing of sharing the gospel. Jesus said these words. He preached the gospel to the poor. And it wasn't a case of when and how and where he did it. But it's about the fact that it's continued. And it's continuing. And Jesus' message is still going around. And that pronouncement is still being made to this day. When Jesus sat down and said, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That wasn't the end. That's not where the Bible stops. It's fulfilled. There's a whole lot which comes on after that in his teaching. As we carry on into the early church in Acts chapter 1, after Jesus had died and been resurrected and come back and he was amongst the disciples, he brought them together. And he said to them, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And that anointing of the Holy Spirit continues today. That we are witnesses of Jesus' message of preaching the gospel to the poor in our place. And we should share it. And we shall receive that power as we did last week. And as we do every day when the Holy Spirit has come upon us and anointed us. To preach the gospel to the poor. It's not just for those who preach, it's for each one of us to share and to talk and share and have conversations about Jesus Christ. Because that is preaching and sharing the gospel. It's a shame that we were poor. It's a shame that we we're poor. But you know what? I don't want to be poor forever. Hopefully you don't want to be poor forever either. I want to be rich. I want to have plenty. Jesus came to preach the good news to the poor. But he also came to make us rich. In Ephesians, it tells us that the, that the unsearchable and boundless limited riches of Christ for us. Ephesians chapter 3 verse, verses 8 and 9. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, that's Paul's words, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. There is no limit to the riches of Christ. There is no limit to what is on offer. And how do we come to grips? How do we get to terms with what that actually means in our minds? The depths of Christ's worth. 
How could you put a value on it? You couldn't in monetary terms. But it is a mind-blowing thing that God sent his son to bring good news to the poor and to deliver these riches. So let me tell you what those riches are as is recorded in Ephesians chapter 1. You may want to turn to it in your Bibles. Verses 7 to 14, I'm not going to read them all, but we'll pick out the points and you can pick them up. The riches of Christ, redemption through his blood in verse 7. The forgiveness of sins. The knowledge of the mystery of his will. Verse 13, the message of truth. The sealing of the Holy Spirit and the guarantee of our inheritance in God. These are spiritual riches with eternal benefits which we cannot fully comprehend. In Ephesians Ephesians chapter 1 as we go on, the unsearchable riches of Christ are the glory of God, the truth of God, the wisdom of God, the life of God and the love of Christ. In Christ, as it says in Ephesians 1 verse 3, God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Everything which God has, all the riches of God are available to us through Christ our Saviour. It is the promise of good news which Jesus brings. Good news for the poor. Good news that you'll be free from all the things which enslave us, be they personal and social, all the things which drag us away from our God. And you know what? It doesn't depend on your background, your education, your ability, your status, or even your physical wealth. As we said, I do not have, in an earthly sense, zillions of pounds in the bank, but I have all the riches which Christ offers me. How can we be certain? Here's a little illustration. It's an English five-pound note. For those younger ones, this is proper cash. Okay, those are used to plastic and stuff which doesn't exist. This is real, real stuff. But it says on the here, in the small print where you can find it under the Bank of England's inscription, I promise to pay the bearer on demand the sum of five pounds. I promise to pay the bearer on demand the sum of five pounds. That's the promise. If you take it to the bank, they'll give you five pounds. In our modern digital age, we wave this plastic card and somehow money moves. We press a few buttons and money happens. But does it actually exist? Well, in the, in the sense we get the goods back if we're trying to buy something, it must do because someone's getting a payment and they're giving us the goods. But are you sure? If you turned up at your bank and said, look, I've got this much in the account, could I please have it all in this, you know, or anything else, would they give it to you? What are you going to do with it? Are you sure it exists? So are you today sure that the promise of Jesus is based on the command of God. Are you sure it's delivered by God's Son as he was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor? 
may have said to you, Mr. or Mrs. or youngster or child or whatever, this is the message to the poor which Jesus Christ brings, that Jesus saves. And it offers you the, all the riches which God has, the unsearchable riches of God. He says, I want you to know it and share it. And God's command through Jesus was, his command is everlasting life. So that is the hope which we have. Jesus has come to preach good news to the poor that we will be saved and forgiven our sins and we'll have everlasting life. And here is the central gospel message in John chapter 5, 24. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me will have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. How can you be sure that it applies to you? That your sins have been forgiven, that you will have eternal life and that you will pass from death into life. Well, it's indelible. If you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, that promise is written on your heart. And when you get to heaven, you might roll up there with your wheelbarrow of all your financial wealth, if that's the way you want to deal with it. And God will say to you, that's no good. That means absolutely nothing. But you could go and say, I've got all the unsearchable riches of Christ because Jesus promised them to them. They're written on my heart through the Holy Spirit. And God will say, yes, you're one of mine. In you come. The treasure is all that you need. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if your heart is with God through Jesus Christ, then your future will be there too. And so will your hope. You cannot see it. You cannot parcel it up in that sense and say, I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. But you know it. You know that the Spirit of God lives within you. And all of those unreachable promises come to you so that you're no longer poor. Jesus came with this message to preach the gospel to the poor. And I hope, and my prayer is, that we can all say this, I was poor and now I'm rich and have all the riches promised by God through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, it's hard in our modern society to recognize the marvelous and earth-shattering moment in which Jesus sat in that synagogue and read those words from the prophecy of Isaiah, which you had given some eight, nine hundred years before, and then to say, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This was your son, Jesus Christ, come as a man to share the good news with the poor, to bring hope to the brokenhearted, to people, and to anoint them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, to come to meet with the beggars, the pilgrims, those who were seeking spiritual life, 
Lord, that message is true to this day. And we pray for all of those who are still seeking to find their healing and spiritual fulfillment and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. And our prayer today, Lord, is that you will grant it at this moment, that they will know your peace, but also that they will know your promise, that those who believe have all the unsearchable riches of Christ and are welcome in the kingdom of God for eternity. For they shall have everlasting life in your name. So Lord, we pray for each and every one here. That your spirit will fill them anew. You will assure them of their salvation and of their future. Of their hope and their wealth in your name. This we ask in Jesus' name and in the power of your Holy Spirit.